Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. The title of this morning's message is Politicians, Prayer, and the Power of God. All right, Politicians, Prayer, and the Power of God. And with that, we're going to pray. We're going to launch out. And uh, the main thrust of today's message is to encourage us. Uh, I believe that God has done and is doing great and mighty things. We just need to see it. We need to recognize it. Father, this morning, we again commit this time to you. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us through the teaching and the preaching of the word. We thank you, Lord, that our minds are being renewed. We thank you, Lord, that our faith rises to new levels. We thank you, Lord, that strongholds are being confronted uh, and demolished and replaced with, Lord, with godly uh, uh, biblical thinking. And we praise you and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, the title of the message is Politicians' Prayer and the Power of God. I was speaking to a friend of mine. He's a prophet uh, just last week, and he's an advisor to our house. And he keeps on reminding me, he says, listen, he says, you're in the capital. You've got to continue to speak out. Uh, you've got to continue to speak out where, you know, government is concerned, he says, because you have a mandate. And, you know, we sense that there is a mandate on this house, and I'm sensing a mandate on my own life to be speaking about these things. And I know that uh, that's not common in amongst churches and pastors. We know it, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. That's okay. And many pastors are not prepared to teach the people of God where politics are concerned and to disciple their people and to reshape people's thinking. You know, a renewing of the mind, Romans chapter 12, is to reshape our thinking and to get into biblical thinking rather than traditional thinking. And uh, that can be a bit of a thankless task, I, I might add. Uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, uh, we've always said, uh, when I speak about politics and you disagree, you can disagree with a smile. And if you disagree with a frown, I will not be intimidated by that, and I will just carry right on. All right, so welcome to this message this morning. Uh, we're talking about politicians, we're talking about prayer, and we're talking about the power of God. I've got a, a, a number of things that I've written down in the outline. I want to hug the outline fairly closely because God began to dictate to me uh, some things that I want to communicate with you. I'm not starting with a scripture this morning, which is what we would normally do. I want to start with some thoughts uh, that I believe are going to help us. And I guess, you know, stating the obvious uh, is that the general election of 2023 is now behind us, all right? <laughs> the people have spoken. The people have voted. Um, and uh, we have prayed, and many of us have prayed, and we are praying for us as a church, we are praying for our nation every Sunday and during the week. We have done that for multiple years, all right? But we've prayed more fervently in the last three years uh, uh, during the last electoral uh, term, if you like. And uh, we have prayed, and I would like to strongly suggest to you that we have seen the power of God in operation, one thing that we have strongly prayed uh, for, for several years now is for God to remove a certain element within our political environment. And I would suggest that God has powerfully moved and removed a whole lot of people that should have never been there in the first place. 
All right, so I'm trying to encourage you today that uh, different people look at things from different perspective um, and say, well, has, has God really answered our prayers? And well, God has answered our prayers. I've got absolutely no doubt in my mind about that. Though certain people were praying certain things that was just never going to happen um, because it was, not, it was not necessarily uh, uh, God's will for certain things to happen in a certain way. God has got his own way of working and to bring about his perfect will. And because other areas, as we've said before, there is, a, there is an electoral process in place. Uh, and uh, once the people have voted, the people have voted, and then we need to do the best we can with whatever that delivered, uh, delivers. So once again, let me say that we should not underestimate what God has done as we analyze the election results. Um, we now have um, a more conservative-leaning government than what we've had before. We've just come away from a Marxist government, uh, Marxist-leaning, uh, left-liberal-leaning. we now got a more conservative-leaning government being shaped and formed. Now, it's not conservative, but it's conservative-leaning. Uh, and I want to discuss that a little bit later on um, in regards to, you know, what uh, I think what we can expect going forward and what we should be praying for in this whole department. Uh, and when people say, well, who got removed? Well, Labour got halved in its uh, support, slash, uh, meant just halved. Uh, and uh, then the, the Greens got pushed into the opposition benches. Um, uh, people say... The Greens, but, uh, you know, a saying has been used. Uh, uh, it's a bit like a melon. You know, you think when you're buying, you go down to the market, and you buy a, a green melon, you think you're buying a green fruit, but actually you're buying a red fruit. And it's been said that that's applicable to the Greens. They're green on the outside, but they're red on the inside. Communists. All right. Um, and that's just no nice way to say this. Um, and, uh, and to fluff around confuses people. So we need to be very clear about these things. You know, the liberal left has been reduced to one third of all elected MPs for more than over half prior to the election. So has God moved? You better believe that God has moved. All right, you better believe that God has answered our prayers. Um, and uh, to be honest, uh, this is uh, really just stating what some of the political commentators have stated is that some political parties, and for that matter, some p uh, politicians have been punished by the people. All right, there's been a punishment that's gone on. And personally, I did say a few weeks ago that when it will happen, and I knew it was going to happen, that I would get some sense of satisfaction from it because some of them needed to be punished. All right, so there we go. Uh, let me uh, talk about... Uh, some reflections, and some of those are my thoughts that, uh, you know, that's not necessarily thus says the Lord, but I want to just submit some thoughts to you, um, and hopefully uh, these thoughts will encourage you. Uh, we need to realize that in politics, nothing is perfect. The tendency for Christians uh, is when they pray and when they expect things, they expect things perfect. Everything's got to be, you know, this way. But in politics, nothing is perfect. Not the politicians, not the political parties, neither even their policies or in the way that they are rolled out. Let me state emphatically that uh, perfect government will not eventuate until Jesus Christ returns to this earth 
and sets up his literal government on the earth in Jerusalem as his capital. We call it the millennial reign of Christ. Until then, there will be imperfect government. All right, There will be imperfect makeup of, of government and there will be imperfection going on, but we need to work with what we've got. You know, our one thing that I realized this time around again, probably more so than in previous um, elections, you know, when that time comes, I sort of jump into that box. I try to understand as much as what I can about the MMB, MMP uh, electoral uh, system that we have in New Zealand now since 1996. It came in by referendum uh, 1993 and then it was implemented in 1996. Prior to that, we had the first past the post, FFP, uh, basically a two-party system uh, Things would talk back and forth in power between, you know, left and right, between national and labor and so forth. And MMP came in uh, with a promise that it was going to be more uh, democratic, it was going to be better. And of course, MMP lends itself to uh, coalition arrangements usually, usually, but not always, as we found out in the last uh, electoral term. The thing that I got to realize this time around is in re-looking at all of that and trying to understand the finer details of MMP is that MMP as is is an electoral system is more complex than what meets the eye. And most people in our nation do not understand it. They don't understand it sufficiently uh, so that they're able to be strategic when it comes to voting because they just don't understand the ins and outs to do with it. Uh, you see, people, <coughs> excuse me, people who cast their vote only with principle in mind, they are likely to waste their vote election after election over and over because they're only thinking about principle. I heard a profound statement uh, in one of the uh, straight talks from Family First. Uh, in fact, it was their election wrap-up uh, last Monday evening. And uh, they had a, uh, a, uh, a panel member there by the name of uh, Dr. Michael Reed. He's a minister. He's a Presbyterian minister. And, uh, and he articulated something that I thought, gosh, this is really good. Uh, I don't want to share that with you. It's just one statement. He says, in politics... Uh, he says, you have to marry uh, principle with pragmatism. Let me say it again. In politics, you've got to marry principle with pragmatism. And I thought, here's a wise saying. It articulated what I've sensed in my spirit, but sometimes, you know, you're lacking words and terminology to communicate a thought that I believe is very, very, very important for us as Christians. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we no longer vote with principle in mind? And no, absolutely we vote with principle in mind, but we've also got to be practical. And here's the deal, friends. Many Christians would not know how to cast a righteous strategic vote because they don't understand the MMP system. All right? And uh, at the threat of getting accused uh, that... Uh, I don't have any compassion for a lot of the smaller parties that have all been rallying and trying to get into parliament. And, uh, you know, some of them, my friends, I salute them for their, you know, for their stand. Um, and I salute them for the effort that they've made. And my goodness, many people have worked very, very hard uh, to sort of get a, 
a seat in parliament or they get over the 5% threshold. But in the lead up to the election, the longer I look at this and the more I pray about it, I knew in my spirit that none of them was going to make it. And I did say that I wasn't going to waste my vote. I can be a bit more specific now than what I was in the lead up to the election. All right. I, I always want to be revelatory and I want to be informative. I do not want to be directive. But now we're looking back. It's done and dusted. Okay. The dust hasn't quite settled, so to speak. But uh, as I say, I was not going to waste my vote. Uh, of course, there will be some major soul searching going on in amongst some of those parties. Uh, my personal belief is that some of them need to shut doors and go away. Just shut doors and go away. Um, others need to reform. Um, they need to realign. They need to come together um, and uh, reconfigure this whole thing. Because once you start repeating something every three years for multiple terms over and over and it's not working, it means we've got to do something different here. All right? And the tragedy is uh, that votes are being split uh, over and over and over again. And actually, some of those votes uh, that have been cast in that direction are now missing where they should have been. Okay? I want to come back to some of that uh, uh, very, very shortly. So uh, in politics, let me say it again, uh, you've got to marry principle with pragmatism. Um, and I think for us as believers, we need to get used to the idea of incremental advances of kingdom principles and values in the area of politics and in our nation. What do we mean by that? Incremental. In other words, we don't get there overnight. You're not going to get from the back of the auditorium to the front of the auditorium in one great big jump. You get there incrementally by one step, one foot in front of the other, going in the right direction. And guess what? In the end, we get there. And we have to get used to that idea. We've got we've to just uh, not get discouraged because we didn't get there overnight with what some people thought should have happened. I think God's moved very, very powerfully. Um, and, uh, and obviously, the final configuration will not be known. Uh, I'm going to speak about that in, in just a little bit. But you know, when we're talking about incremental progress, you know, in the United States, that court ruling that opened the floodgates for abortions to happen for the last 50 years, it's a court ruling, what they called Roe and Wade. Uh, I don't know all the details right now. It's been a while that I've looked at all of that. Uh, but, you know, when you hear Roe and Wade, it's basically a court ruling that supposedly gave constitutional rights for women to have an abortion, with, you know, just have an abortion. Um, that thing was overturned. Was it last year? Was it two years ago? Yeah, it was overturned last year. Now, uh, was that overturned overnight? No, most certainly not. They've been pro-lifers working away for year after year after year, having incremental victories along the way, some of which are not even known, but they knew that they were gaining ground that they were advancing and they were just not going to get discouraged. They kept on going, kept on going, kept on going until critical mass was reached. And next minute, the whole thing is flipped around and it's now overturned. And I think that is a, 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 a dramatic example of what we are talking about, that we need to just work with what we've got. So long as we keep on heading in the right direction, a step at a time. Let's rejoice over what God has done. Yes. 
And let's continue to work in that direction. Uh, in the end, we get there. And uh, a little bit later on, I'm hopefully trying to describe, you know, well enough uh, in regards to what that should look like. Um, so again, um, when sometimes Christians have got a very single I'd view about things. They look at certain things and say, oh, that's, that's compromise. We can't do that because that's compromise. But actually, we need to understand that Jesus said in the Gospels, he says we've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And when I think about that, it's like, Jesus, don't you know what serpents are? You know, serpents are, you know, they talk, talk about the Bible, you know, the very epitome of evil. Uh, and he says, don't be, it doesn't say be like serpents. Uh, he says, just be as wise as them, but be as harmless as a dove. And sometimes Christians need to get out of their stuck position of, uh, oh, it's principle, it's principle. And, and so it is, but Mary, principle and practicality and pragmatism together and understand the system as best as you can. I think we can do better than what we've done in the past because uh, as I tried to explain a couple of weeks ago that when sometimes Christians think they're doing the right thing, it seems right to them in their own mind, but it actually helps the wrong crowd to get ahead in Parliament. And uh, of course, one of those issues is around the wasted votes that a lot of Christians do not understand. So with that, Let's rejoice uh, that Roe and Wade was overturned. And let's rejoice that our Marxist government uh, that we've had in the past has been overturned, uh, has been diminished. And let's pray that uh, they don't gather force uh, anytime soon. Um, and, uh, and of course, a number of other things that we're going to be uh, praying about. Let me discuss a few positives that I'm seeing. Um, and um, this is despite some of the comments that I made a few weeks ago. In fact, I'm looking back now over our political talks and I'm thinking, gosh, I could have done a better job in a couple of areas to possibly communicate a bit clearer. Um, as I said, what I cannot do is I cannot be directive, but I want to be informative uh, and uh, I want to be reasonably, uh, uh, reasonably direct, but not directive. Um, and I want to be revelatory. Uh, things can shift and change a little bit in terms terms of where our focus and where our support needs to go, depending on what's happening on the ground. That's why we can't be too single-eyed about things. Uh, and uh, a few positives. Uh, one of the positives is that we now have a prime minister-elect that's actually married. All right. Married, not living in fornication. Um, you know, married. Uh, heterosexual, okay, which is what the Bible uh, prescribes. Okay, I think that's positive. Uh, we need to just rejoice in what's good. All right. Um, married. He's got a family where his wife, him and his wife and his children live within the context of a legal marriage. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, what we've had in the past is that... Uh, you know, we would like to believe that uh, he doesn't have any, any connections uh, into the drug world, which is what's been the case in some instances in the past, and uh, where people get locked up for, you know, you know all sorts of things. Uh, uh, we've got a very good situation going on. I believe there's something going on here that God can really use and God can really work with. And I think we need to acknowledge that. Uh, the Bible says, give honor where honor is due. Um, and uh, he has a Christian background and is likely, 
to operate from a Judeo-Christian value system. Judeo-Christian value system. Uh, people say, oh, isn't that what, the, what everybody does? No. No, we had, we had a crowd just removed from power that operate out of a Marxist value system. And Marxism has no God at its core. It's deeply atheistic. All right. So we, we got something here that I believe God can really use, um, that God can really work with. And provided we pray and we do our part and our share towards that, then there is a great potential here. But remember, it's only potential. Uh, it's not always a done deal. Um, and by the way, um, when I'm speaking uh, about some of these things, um, I'm speaking from a, a, a position of uh, two Two places, if you like. One of those is speaking from the place of the kingdom of God. My primary concern is how can we advance the kingdom of God in our nation? Or kingdom values, kingdom principles. Because we know that the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. So if we advance Judeo-Christian principles and values, kingdom values, it's got to be a good thing for everybody. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, when I go and vote, I'm the last person that I'm thinking about. It's not what's good for me here. It's about what's good for the kingdom. All right, primarily. Um, but in terms of what's gone down in the last three years, I'm also speaking from a position of what we call the freedom community in our nation. Um, and uh, what does that mean? Well, um, what's gone down for the last three years uh, with all the mandates, with the lockdowns and the different things, I was opposed to it from the very work go and tried to fight against it uh, as much as I could along the way and not get locked up, all right? Uh, and many people have moved on uh, and think, oh, we're glad we're out of it now. Everything's fine now. Well, it's not fine. You know, they use a saying in regards to what's gone down in the uh, First World War, you know, amongst the return uh, soldiers, they say, lest we forget. And I'm telling you, we must not forget what they've done to us in the last three, four years. We must make sure that it'll never happen again and that a country can be decimated and families can be decimated and communities have been decimated, but the tragedy is a lot of people don't know what's gone down. Uh, but people in the freedom community, they know. Uh, there's people that absolutely know uh, why it was wrong how it is wrong and what needs to be done in order to bring it right. To simply move on and forget about it is not an option. So I'm coming from that perspective as well. It's important for me that you understand where I sit and where I come from. Now, we've got two communities. Uh, we've got the Kingdom of God community, which is, you know, as believers. We've got the freedom community. There is obviously an overlap uh, because many people in the freedom community are believers, uh, they're sharp, they have a discernment that I believe is working and it's working well, but tragically, uh, there are many Christians who still don't know what's going on, yet there's unsafe people who are very sharp and they know what's going on. And this is something that's bothered me over the years and I still haven't worked it out yet. You know, Christians claiming to have a discernment, but it's not working. They said, how does that work, you know? But anyway, um, 
So that's where I'm speaking from, and I'm going to make a few comments in a moment, uh, and I think it's good for you to understand where, what position that I'm speaking from and what the reasoning behind it might be. Now let's talk about some uh, f- future prayer victories. I'm totally convinced that we've had some past victories uh, in terms in the lead-up to the election and then in the actual election. There's been a victory that it's been you know, a while coming. We talked about, uh, Lord, remove, uh, take these people out, take these people out, and then there's a few heads that have rolled, but now there's been a swoop, and like there's a whole lot of them that are gone now. They need to park their car somewhere else, find another job. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a good thing. They should have n- never been anywhere near, near power and authority. Uh, so uh, we've had past victories, but we need to continue to pray towards uh, future victories for God to move powerfully in the area of uh, our political arena as well as in our nation. Here's a few prayer points. And this is not the only thing that we need to pray for, but I think these are very, very important. Okay, we could probably add others to it, but uh, let me just talk about the final makeup of our government. Our election is behind us, but government is still not fully formed. Uh, Christopher Luxon is called Prime Minister-elect, meaning he's been elected for all we know, but the final, uh, the final situation is not confirmed. It's not a done deal until everything is signed up and sealed, so to speak. Uh, though it is highly unlikely, highly unlikely that he would not be the Prime Minister. Okay, so we are praying towards the final makeup of our government, and that needs prayer. All right, we haven't finished. That needs prayer going forwards. We are praying for the final configuration of that government which will not be known until after the special votes are counted and that will be a special vote count will be finished by Friday the 3rd of November. So that's about just under two weeks away. Um, Special votes includes all the Overseas votes, um, it includes all the votes that have been cast uh, in our nation outside of the people's electorate and so forth. There's about a half a million, just a few more. And that will affect things, not in a major way, but in a minor sort of a way until everything settles down. Now, when we pray into that, we're not going to change the election results. But we are praying into the final formation of government, okay? The by-election that we've heard about up in Port Waikato is still going to happen, and that will happen on the 25th of November. What's happened in Port Waikato, there is one of the electoral candidates that died after a certain time when, you know, government sets certain dates and before a certain time, so there's a by-election coming up. That's likely to shift things around a little bit, even though it is expected that National will win that seat. Um, And uh, furthermore... This time around, in our upcoming electoral term, we are likely to have what they call an overhang. Now, government uh, normally has 120 seats, 120 MPs in the chamber, uh, 120 seats. Uh, uh, Currently, I understand that we've got 21, and it could rise 
we start again. We have got 121, so we got an overhang of one seat, and it is possible to get another one that there's possibly be 122 members of parliament, though it could resettle back down to 20. I haven't got all the specifics at my fingertips. Uh, uh, something to do with the, um, uh, the party Maori party having done well with their seats uh, in the Maori electorates and, uh, and of course we got that by-election coming up um, and uh, that could likely shift things around a little bit. Some of the seats that National have won by the time the final votes have, have been counted it is possible that they lose one or two seats. All right. Um, and uh, we are praying... We are praying that uh, that will settle down where God wants it to settle down. Now, very clearly, very clearly in my mind, is that God removed the past government and the larger party now in the parliament being formed is the National Party with uh, uh, Christopher Luxem, the leader there, as the uh, incoming prime minister. Uh, my sense is that they needed to be stronger, more certainly than Labour, but we can't have them too strong. Otherwise, they do what they want, like the previous crowd, when they had a majority, they've done what they wanted. No longer listen to the people. All right. Get elected, develop a mind of their own, and become useless as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. All right. So, uh, uh, I firmly believe that uh, in our praying... In the final settling down of things, I believe when we're talking about the makeup of government, I believe that uh, New Zealand First needs a seat at the table. Uh, they got eight MPs. Uh, I believe that they need to be involved in cabinet. Uh, they will need to be involved to get some, uh, some uh, ministerial uh, positions and so forth. And here is why. This is why I said before what I said. Um, it has emerged, if I, if I read it correctly, that New Zealand First is shaping up to be the most freedom-leaning party out of all the people that are now in Parliament. And this is very, very important. Amen. All right? This is very, very important. A friend of mine said, you know, I've said some things about Winston Peters uh, uh, that I've changed my mind on. Uh, I felt like that back in 2017. I feel differently today. A friend of mine said there is redemption for Winston Peters. All right, and here's an opportunity, but it is only an opportunity. Time will tell as to whether it'll go in the way that it should go. But in terms of all the leaders of parties, he was the only one that made some good noises in regards to addressing some of the wrongs that have gone down. And it is my sense that leaders that have made those decisions to bring about those mandates, they all have to be held to account. Justice will have to be served. Now, what that looks like, I wouldn't like to guess, but we cannot move on. Uh, it's like they say, you know, if nothing is done about it, this thing could repeat itself. Uh, and uh, our nation or other nations around the world, they can't have repeated disasters like this and for nations to just bounce back. We've got $160 billion of national debt in our nation. How the previous crowd have been able to run up that much debt is just beyond belief, all right? This is not even speaking about people's personal financial losses, people's families being divided and all the, all the suicides higher and all the needle damaged people that are damaged and others that have prematurely died and are still dying now. 
That's got to be addressed. All right? Now, while we're out there, um, uh, let me say that uh, there is a potential for New Zealand First to shape up to be the Freedom Party of the future. Not just in this electoral term, things could shift uh, in, the, in the, you know, lead up to the, you know, to the, the next election, which is now three years away. Um, there are a number of members of parliament in there that are what we will call freedom fighters. They know what's going on and they will put their weight behind shifting things in the right direction. Um, now, it is a known fact that Winston Peters is not getting any younger, uh, neither, neither are any of us, uh, and it's been said that it is possible that he might stand down uh, after this electoral term, possibly even before then, and somebody else will take on the reign. We do know that the freedom community has put their weight behind Winston Peters and his party, and in time to come, that could be the freedom party of the future, people that are not scared to call things out and to address things that are unpopular. And uh, the fact that Winston Peters and his party was not in Parliament in the last three years uh, um, is, is just an interesting observation and probably a good thing because I think here is a man that's seen the world from the outside when he's been inside for so long. And I think he's seen some things that uh, a lot of people that are inside the system do no longer see. So uh, we are praying for God to influence and to direct the decision of our new government and parliament as a whole. Why do we say parliament uh, as well as government? Well, government is obviously the ruling parties that will end up in cabinet, that will be uh, the, the, the ruling uh, government of the day. But, you know, parliament, we've got people in the opposition benches. They're supposed to do a job. And this is where the last crowd in the last term has so failed us. All right. Um, and uh, so with all of that, uh, we are praying also, and I believe this needs to be strongly prayed into, that there needs to be a culling out of the liberal leftist elements within government departments. I've said a couple of weeks ago, when there's moral rot at the top, it flows down downwards into the nation, most certainly into government departments. And anybody that even half knows what's been rolled out in our schools through our education system, you know exactly that there's moral rot in these government departments and these people need to be removed and culled out. Now, you can be sure, you can be sure that National will go through government departments and uh, trim out a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of excess. Uh, there's a lot of excess there. And if you're employed by government, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking against you, I'm not against you, but the reality is that they have uh, bloated our government body up to just one quarter of all employees are now working for government. That is not sustainable. We're not communists. All right, that is not sustainable in a, uh, in a uh, you know, properly democratic nation. So we are praying that the right people get removed, uh, that, that, the, 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 that the, the certain types of people get removed and others that are left. All right. Um, and uh, I think that is an important prayer. Uh, I believe that uh, we, are, we need to pray that God direct these people to know whom to remove and whom to leave. Um, and so with that, let me then swing into the first scripture for this morning. I've done a lot of talking already. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Um, Apostle Paul says, First of all, he says, I urge 
that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live a peaceful and a quiet life in all godliness and holiness. And so here God commands us as Christians to pray for the whole nation and to also pray for governmental leaders. That is a mandate that God has placed on the body of Christ. Um, I think it's taking hold a bit more. I've got a friend of mine, a senior minister that's lived in that world for decades now. He's worked in parliamentary circles. He says 30, 40 years ago, nobody prayed for government hardly. Just wasn't a thing that was done. But now more and more people are realizing that we need to pray for not only for the whole nation, but definitely should, but we need to pray for our governmental leaders. And here's the reason why. Because when Paul says he pray for kings and for all who are in authority, that we, we the believers, we, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceful life. And like it or not, when lawmakers make decisions, it affects us. So we might as well pray for them that they make good decisions because good or negative, their decisions will affect us. Uh, and so God wants us to pray for them. All right. And really, in many respects, uh, we need to continue to engage in this whole process. We need to engage, number one, in prayer. Because just because things are poised now to... Go in the right direction doesn't mean that it will go in the right direction. We need to stay with them in prayer. That God give them wisdom. That God give them courage to make decisions that are based on principle rather than popular decisions and so forth. So we need to, number one, pray. Number two, we need to continue to engage in the democratic process, most certainly in the whole process of you know, getting involved with elections. Any time when Christians and godly people and Judeo-Christian value people move out of any area, more rot sets in. It's every time. Okay? So we need to stay with it. And you know, when 20, 30 years ago, people, Christians have said, oh, politics is dirty business. Christians should get out of that. Well, that's how we got into the mess. All right? Is everybody okay this morning? Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.